Can a 50-year-old still have magic? We visit Disneyland in California and find out. Hello, I'm Gary Bembridge and this is Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast. My travel reviews and recommendations based on the first-hand experiences I gain from the up to two to three times a month I travel all over the world. To find out more, you can visit the website at tipsfortravellers.com or mytravelreviews.com where you'll find links, show notes, how to subscribe, individual episodes and many photo and video galleries. It's now time for this episode of Tips for Travellers. Yes, in this edition of the Tips for Travellers podcast, we're going to take a visit to Disneyland in California. Now, this park, which is just near Los Angeles, actually in Anaheim, first opened to the public in the 17th of July, 1955, which means it's now 50 years old. In fact, on the 17th of July, its 50th anniversary comes to an end. So it was a pretty good time to go and visit sort of at the last um, end of its 50th anniversary. Now, Walt Disney's original idea had to be to build a theme park that would be loved by children and loved by adults. And he originally had planned to build something opposite the company's animation studios in Burbank, apparently, but realized it was just too small for his vision. So they eventually built in Anaheim, and it was actually a number of different parcels of land owned by 17 different people. So he originally bought 160 acres, but Walt Disney had to fund most of it himself. So he had to kind of, he, he mortgaged uh, his property. He just got all his own capital, basically, to to do it. And But by the time he opened it, what he really realized is actually even that 160 acres was just not enough space. And as it grew, all the people who owned land around it realized what a gold mine they were sitting on. So they refused to sell land to anybody, um, especially not Disney. And they started to capitalize on the traffic that the Disney park was creating by the open hotels, open fast food joints, all sorts of things. And basically what Walt Disney and the Disney Corporation realized, this was a mistake. So when they uh, when they, they decided to, to open Walt uh, Disney World uh, in Florida, they actually went and bought 47 square miles of property, 47 square miles of property. So they could control, obviously, Disneyland and, and all of the hotels and everything all around it. When it first opened, there was 20 attractions, but... That's really been added. And Disney's statement when he opened it was that Disneyland will never be completed. And that's really pretty much the the case because they still kind of keep building and keep adding to it. Now, the original Disneyland, which is the one in Anaheim, you know, it's built around um, the Cinderella's Castle um, in at the center. In fact, not Cinderella, it's Sleeping Beauty's Castle at the center with all the different lands around Tomorrowland, Fantasyland, Mickey's Toontown, Frontierland, Adventureland, Critter Country, Main Street, USA. And pretty much any park you go to, for example, recently I went to the park in Paris, and it's laid out pretty much exactly the same with many of the same rides. Now, it's interesting, though, about this thing about expansion, because those of you who have listened to the Hong Kong podcast will know that there's now a Disney open in Hong Kong. And in terms of following that progress, one of the big problems they've got is it's too small, has very few attractions. And, that, you know, they seem to have had, made some of the same mistakes. 
I think that was interesting about Disneyland is often people talk about being in Los Angeles, but it's in Anaheim, and that's about 25 miles drive roughly from, say, LAX, the um, airport in Los Angeles. And the thing that's really strange about it and quite amazed me was it's incredibly badly signposted. Now, you know, when I'd been to the park, say, in in Paris, or I think even where, from what I remember of the park in Orlando, is pretty much from the airport or wherever you go, it's very well signposted. It kind of almost walks you, not literally, obviously, to the park. And what I'd done is I'd, I'd luckily got a map before I went. I was staying just near the airport, near LAX. And I'd gone on to actually a very good site, which is called experiencela.com and got the instructions. It's a very good site, that experiencela.com, all one word. And you you go to the attraction, it tells you about the attraction, opening hours, all that kind of stuff. And you click on a button and it launches a map, which you can then print out both with the map and with driving instructions in varying degrees of detail. A very good site. Bizarrely on the Disney site, um, if you just go to disney.com, um, they had instructions to get there, but they again were not very specific. So I was really surprised how hard it was to find. And even when I got there, I wasn't sure I'd got there. And I drove past the entrance, believe it or not. And the the only time I realized that I'd gone too far was the official Disney posters, uh, which were actually still up um, celebrating the 50th anniversary, stopped. And some more, obviously, non-Disney posters were up on the lamppost. And I thought, okay, I've gone too far because they, you know, so I turned around and went back. One of the reasons I missed the entrance was there's actually two parks uh, there in Anaheim, there's there's the Disneyland Park, and then there's Disney's California Adventure. And I'd seen the sign for the Disney California Adventure, and I hadn't realized that the car park was a shared car park for both of the two things there. And as I already mentioned, there are two parks there, and there's a third place, which is kind of like the shopping complex, which many of them have as well. So you've got the Disneyland Park, which I guess is really more targeted towards kids or those uh, who want the kind of more, much more traditional uh, experience at Disney, and then there's then there's the the California Adventure, which I guess is targeted more at slightly more adults and 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 whatnot. And I think that's probably quite important because one of the things that struck me a, a lot going through Disneyland was actually, you know, with the way that um, thrill rides have grown and the big you know, theme parks like Six Flags or in the UK, I guess there's Alton Towers or, you know, every country has them. The big, super huge, big kind of thrill rides, scary rides. The the kind of older kids and teenagers and even young adults and adults have tended to go towards those. So actually, um, the Disneyland is, there's not a lot that's probably going to keep, you know, older kids and, and teenagers really engaged. And the California park, I noticed, they position themselves as having much more scary rides and that kind of stuff. So I guess they're trying to sort of segment the market a, a little way. Now, you pay separately to get into either park, although you can get a, a joint kind of pass thing. And the parks are relatively expensive to get into. I mean, getting into, as an adult, say, into Disneyland or California, um, Disney California Adventure, is about 59 US dollars. Uh, and then it, it scales down based on whether you're families or kids or whatever. And you can get the prices on the site and the prices evolve. So, But it's about, say, 60, $60 US dollars. So it's quite an expensive day out. And to visit the two parks is, is relatively expensive. But the thing that did strike me is that you can do the park in a day. And I know some people spend much longer than that there. And that may be really around, um, you know, with you, your kids can keep going at the pace. But if you're going as an adult, particularly, you can do it in a day. You can you go on the rides you want. You can see what you want to do in a day. And it's not a particularly long day or a particularly arduous day. 
I'll talk a little bit later about the hours to go, but I'll mention it here and I'll mention it again later. You know, one of the things if you haven't been to any of the Disney parks is you need to really see the procession. And the procession tends to be sort of mid-afternoon, about 3, 3.15, certainly in summer it is. And then they have the fireworks when it gets dark. And those two things are really worth seeing if you haven't been to a Disney park for the first time. So, you know, often what you do with parks is you think, well, I need to get there early. And in some of the, in the weekends, they open as early as, I think, about 9 o'clock or something and go to midnight. But your, your, your common thing is, like, let's get there early. Um, to avoid the rush but in reality probably what you want to do is, is go a little bit later maybe after lunch or something and get to then see the rides and everything I did notice actually when I was there I was in on a Sunday that it did get particularly busy around about lunchtime which may also just be you know people getting up and getting out particularly I guess because the time I was there was not school holidays or anything like that or vacation time so it probably was quite a lot of, of, of locals the thing with Disney is it's, it is pretty organized, and they are pretty organized, which, which I don't understand why when they open parks like they've opened in Hong Kong or when they first opened in Paris, they had all these problems about not understanding the people and not understanding the flow and all that kind of stuff. But um, I guess the numbers are so great that any slight hit, hitch up affects it. So, for example, in the Hong Kong park, you know, they've got a problem because they realize that actually um, Chinese people take about 10 to 15 minutes longer to eat, and that was actually creating lots of flow problems because they're so used to gearing restaurants on people spending 10 to 15 minutes less there at the tables and stuff so they are pretty switched on and you know when you park that's when it really kind of strikes you is once i've actually found the entrance and parking is it's very slick very well organized you do have to pay to get in to park i think it's about 10 us dollars for a, for a normal car a little bit more if you've got something bigger so you have to pay for the parking but it's very organized you get in you get your space you know, they encourage you to look where you park because there's so many car parks and stuff and you do need to write it down. A um, little tip for me is I didn't have a pen with me, so I actually text message it um, where I parked because, you know, I've done it once before trying to work out where on earth you are amongst these zillions and zillions of cars. And then they have a little, um, a little truck uh, trolley thing that takes you to the entrance and, and, and whatnot. It does. It is a relatively expensive day, but I guess for what you're getting, it's pretty good. And that's why I think one of the things, if you do go, make sure that you really do take advantage of it, not in terms of the rides, but when when you check in, they give you, um, you know, not only a map, but there's a little another leaflet which tells that day what time the shows on, what time the processions on, what time the characters are appearing, what time there's little side shows and things, and and, and make sure that you kind of really digest all of that stuff. Now, I've already mentioned the areas, but, you know, if you've been to any other Disney park, you know, you'll recognize this park. And in some ways, it was almost slightly eerie. I'd never been to Disneyland Park, but um, I'd been to the Paris one relatively recently. And it was like, oh, my goodness, it was slightly surreal because it was almost the same and just slightly different. The old little rides were different and that kind of stuff. So you've got your Main Street USA, which has got mostly shopping and all that sort of stuff. Tomorrowland, um, which, which, as the name suggests, is really looking towards um, the future and stuff and has, has a couple of rides there, like the Star Tours ride and Space Mountain, the very popular Space Mountain. Um, an awful thing called Innoventions, which was uh, sponsored by Honda and HP and Pioneer, and it was just... It was just boring. It was supposed to be out of all the latest kind of cutting-edge innovations, but they were kind of felt like stuff that actually you can buy now. Honey, I struck the audience, which is like this 3D thing, which, again, I was quite disappointed with. The 3D was quite effective, and it was quite fun, and maybe kids would like it, but it was a little bit disappointing. This really struck me, you know, that technology and special effects are moving so quickly and so fast, and you can see the most amazing effects when you just go to watch movies that, that you know, you kind of almost unfazed by things like Honey, I struck, uh, Trunk the Audience. I mean, it was fine, but a bit dated. 
in Fantasyland, this is really where the kids seem to really love it. And, and you've got your Alice in Wonderland little ride, and you've got um, Dumbo the Flying Elephants, you know, the little sort of um, merry-go-round thing. And it's a small world, which is everyone's favourite, you know, where you go and you see all the little tiny little things all singing, tiny little sort of dolls and things singing. Man had a tea party, you know, with the the spinning uh, cups and everything. So a lot of very traditional kind of stuff in there, and, and the kids just go crazy there and, and, and really just love it. There was also, between Tomorrowland and Fantasyland, there was the, there's the Matter, Matterhorn um, thing, which is which I, I hadn't seen before, but basically it's, it's a replica of the Matterhorn, the mountain, and they have these people who I guess they hire at busy times so who basically climb up and down it. I thought they were actually just um, mannequin, mannequin kind of things where they were the actual people climbing up and down that and they have like a little um, ride inside like a bobsleigh kind of ride um behind fantasyland is mickey's toontown which is also very popular with kids you know you've got goofy's playhouse and you can mickey's house and that sort of stuff then you've got frontierland frontierland is also very popular because you've got the big thunder mountain railroad which is one of the, the most famous i guess of disney rides and then you've got the tom saw island and you've got the big river boat thing and rafts that you can kind of go on and it takes you around the the river and stuff and that, that's that's pretty popular and it's quite fun really it's sort of you know these replica uh it's like a replica pirate pirate ship and stuff so Frontierland is, is is quite fun and they have a couple of fun little shows which they just do in the street where these people play you know the sheriff and stuff and that was that was quite good fun now critter country is where splash mountain is which is, again is a very popular ride and um you know, a few other things, you can know, hire canoes and bits and pieces like that. New Orleans Square was something that I hadn't seen, actually, at, at other parks, but maybe it's there. And it was more, that's where you can get on and off, you know, the railroad that goes all the, it's a little railroad, which goes all the way around the park, which is actually quite a good thing to just jump on and, and just go around and get a sense of the lay of the land, where things are. And, and that's that's free, obviously, because it's within good in your price. And that's, it's quite enough to take you all the way around the, the outside. And you can, that's one of the stops you can hop on and off at the stop um, at, at New Orleans Square. Then you've got Adventureland, which is where you've got the Indiana Jones event, which is the big ride, and the Jungle Cruise, which is which is also quite fun, where you know you get on this little boat and takes you around, and you come across all sorts of wild animals, which aren't, of course, wild. They're actually just um, puppets, or not puppets, and animated kind of things, but quite fun. So it's a very traditional kind of classic layout. Now, the one thing I would say about it that struck me, I know it's 50 years old and it's their 50th anniversary, but I actually thought it, felt a bit jaded it felt a bit sort of um dated and jaded and what was interesting is they are a couple of things are closed like the pirates of caribbean was closed which is now reopened i guess in time with a new film coming out um they just opened kind of new space mountain um and there was a couple of other areas which were kind of closed off and being reworked so they, i guess they are revamping and 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 updating but you would have thought um you know since the 50th anniversary was such a big thing that they probably would have done more of that so it, it just feels a little bit jaded. And maybe that's just because, you know, as you look at new theme parks and it's just a bit more contemporary and there's newer characters and things, you know, you, you, you kind of realise that Disney haven't really got that many new characters and things. I mean, in um, Tomorrowland, they have the, 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 like the Buzz Lightyear Astro Blast, which is, I guess, is one of the more recent kind of characters and very popular characters. But it's pretty much all the old traditional kind of stuff. I mean, even I was talking about Honey, I Shrunk, the kids 3D show. I mean, that's that's a pretty old kind of show. So you did feel a little bit jaded. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but it just was kind of like, mm, you just kind of feel this needs something a little bit, a little bit more. I think the thing that which is also strike, strike, struck me is that you know, Disney, for all its family friendliness and all this kind of stuff, doesn't really seem to have got the note or the memo about um, healthy eating. 
you know, it's full, chock full of basically, you know, fast food places. You know, your burgers and your chips and your sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. There was a little bit of fruit being sold in Frontierland. The other thing that struck me, you know, when you go to these sort of places like this, and it's true wherever you go, it's not just uh, in the U.S. whether you go to to Disneyland in in uh, Europe or wherever. The thing that really struck me, and I, it really struck me because I'd just been reading in, in the USA Today, they were talking about the percentage of obesity in adults, uh, and they were talking about the U.S., although this is pretty much true of all Western countries, how obesity had gone from something like 10% of the adult population in the 70s up to about 30% of the population. And you really struck me when I went around the park. There was a lot of people there, and a lot of big people there, um, but also, you know, even if you wanted to eat healthily, it was very difficult to do that there because it was all, you know, southern fried this and barbecue that and burger this and stuff, uh, hot dogs and pizzas and all that kind of stuff. And it was just interesting, kind of it struck me, you know, how, from a lifestyle perspective, you know, how, how we are these days. But anyway, that was a bit, sounds a bit like a, a, a soapbox thing. It wasn't intended to be. It just really struck me at the time because I was actually, for some bizarre reason, I was in a healthy eating mood and eventually I succumbed and just had... Uh, Southern fried chicken or something. So, let me talk a little bit about my tips if you're visiting Disneyland in Anaheim in California. The first tip that I've got is research. Now, because Disney is such a huge and popular thing, there's actually fantastic amounts of, of really good, helpful research. There's a lot of you know really big fans of Disney. And since you're a podcast listener, one of the things I would suggest you do is listen to a couple of really great podcasts. And if you search on, say, iTunes or whatever whatever your favorite place for accessing podcasts are, I'm just using iTunes because I, I thought that would be easy to do. You know, if you search Disney and you look at um, the various podcasts, and there's some already actually in the top uh, rated podcasts or most subscribed to podcasts on a travel but you'll find um, not only the official Disneyland podcast there's an official Disneyland podcast which you can get to by going to disney.com and then going to Disneyland which is a very helpful one it talks it, it talks about you know the new rides it talks about what's open it talks about changes in the schedule but also talks to people behind the scenes so they talk about some of the Imagineers and stuff and how they created the new rides and they actually show little video clips sometimes of some of the new rides and that's a really good one but actually one of the things that I've found really really helpful and uh, you know really interesting are the ones by fans so there's some really great fan ones but even you know, I'm just looking up I've just put up the iTunes ones you know so there's there's uh, you know I searched for Disney and it's come up with I don't know 50 or more maybe 100 um, and there's all the things like Insult Walt Disney World um, there's uh, you know the Mouse Guest Weekly there's Disney Insider there's all sorts of stuff. And then, of course, there's the um, Magical Theme Park uh, podcast and all this kind of stuff. And even one that goes down to the cruise line specifically. But there's a whole lot of theme parks. And, of course, there's the uh, the inevitable anti-one, which is the Disgruntled Disney Dweeb podcast. But there's some really, really good podcasts inside the magic. Just there's piles of them there. So it's really worth having a little look at those. So, you know, search either by going in onto podcasts and going and pulling up the, the travel list and you can see the hundred most subscribed podcasts in the in the last day, I think it is. Or actually just search for Disney on iTunes. So do research and listen to that and it's very good because they tend to be very up to date about what's new, what rides are new, opening hours, special offers, deals, that kind of stuff. The second tip I've got is to make sure you know how to get there. I've already mentioned how difficult it was. Pretty much you seem to, you need to get there by car. Um, the, you know, you can, I did notice with a couple of vans and things around that, that you could, you know, you could kind of go to. Um, 
and get out you know from from various centers i guess from hotels and things but it did seem to me that the car really was 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 the absolute um, best best way to, to to get there so make sure you get in there because it's not that easy um and linked to that number three is make sure that you write down where you park and which tram you're on because you know when you're tired and you've tromped around it it's it, it could be incredibly difficult and very time consuming to find where you are the other thing is sun cream up make sure that you and your kids or whoever you're traveling with have got hats and sunscreen and all this kind of stuff on you know i went on what was a pretty overcast day on a sunday and i just hadn't really thought about it and you know you get really burnt even on you know it's pretty hot in los angeles and it's very easy to forget so that might sound like a, a silly one but it is really really important to kind of sun sunscreen up now as I've already mentioned, um, one of the key things uh, is that I think you can probably do the park in a day. Now, you may need, if you've got kids, you may want to go, you may want to go a little bit slower. And I've mentioned the importance of seeing the parade and the fireworks. But what I would suggest you do is, once you get in, my tip would be, is go to Main Street USA or, you know, in that kind of area, sit down, get something to drink, open the map they've given you, look at the list of activities for the day and decide what do you want to do? What do you want to do together? Or what do you want to do separately? Now, some of you may like thrill rides, some of you may like the more fun rides, and kind of work out what it is that you want to do and kind of plan it. Are you going to go clockwise, are you going to go anti-clockwise, are you going to go based on individual rides? So you're going to kind of always come back to the center, you know, Sleeping, uh, Sleeping Beauty's Castle, and, and, you know, go out to specific attractions you want to go to. Generally speaking, I think the best thing to do is to just, you know, kind of go in, in a clockwise, anti-clockwise area and kind of follow your, follow your way around now. What's very important, though, is there are some very popular rides, and the great thing they do, which is my next tip, is Fast Pass. This is a great innovation, and what they've done on all the popular rides, particularly the, what they call the thrill rides, is you can go, you put your ticket into a little machine, and it prints out a ticket which allows you to come back to the ride in a, in a in an hour slot. Now, depending on how busy it is, depending on what that hour slot is, and what you can do is you come back any time in that slot, and you have a separate queue, which means you don't stand in the long winding queues, which you know can be thirty minutes, forty minutes, fifty minutes, even an hour on some of them. So, fast past is great. Now, in the in the actual brochure, it will tell you what's currently fast past. But the things that were fast past at the moment is the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, which is a traditional, very popular ride. Splash Mountain, again, very very popular. Then there's the Indiana Jones Adventure, which again is a big roller coaster kind of thing. Very popular. You can fast past that. You can also fast past Space Mountain, a uh, very popular ride, big popular ride there. And then there are also some smaller um, rides which are perhaps more kiddie or, or, or particularly popular. So Roger Rabbit's Cartoon Spin, which is, you know, those little, little cars things that kids could drive that's fast pass for example that's very popular autopia which is the little um, car thing that people can go on that's fast pass for example buzz Lightyear astro blasters that's a relatively new ride very popular with kids that's fast pass so you can kind of fast pass now so what you could do for example sit down plan your thing and say okay maybe let's go and get fast passes for three of the rides that we want to go to because that you'll have about an hour slot so you can probably go and do all three come back go and get fast passes for for the next three that's very important now in terms of finding a way around, I've said about planning. My next tip would be to actually consider doing a tour. Particularly if you haven't been to Disneyland before and you're thinking of going to Disneyland. Now, Disneyland offer themselves four tours. The Discover the Magic Tour, VIP Tour, Welcome to Disneyland Tour, and a Walk in the Waltz Footsteps. So, 
on the site, if you go to Disney, if you go to Disneyland.com, it takes you there, and you click onto tours, and you can look at the tours. But for example, you know, I'll just give you one. You know, the Discover the Magic tour, which costs about forty-nine dollars for the first two people and thirty-nine dollars for each additional ticket. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's recommended for younger kids, so five to nine-year-olds. They need to be accompanied by an adult, so it's targeted slightly younger. And what they do is, they actually get take the kids around. And you work with the Disney characters and they give you clues and you hunt for treasure and you're out with villains. And it's, it's really good fun because what they do is they kind of get a way of getting around the park with the kind of a theme. So you, you see lots of characters, which is very important for kids. You get lunch and a little souvenir gift and, you know, you, you kind of work together. So that's that's quite a fun one. That, that's, that's a really good one to look at for, for kids. Then they've got the VIP tour services. Which is which is also um, particularly good tour, and this tour is about four hours long, and a host to hostess goes. It's about seventy five dollars um, uh, per hour for up to ten guests, ninety five dollars per hour if if you book it very you know um, uh, within forty eight hours. So it's a relatively expensive um, tour, but it, you can take ten you know ten people. And what happens is you have a guide who takes you around, and they spend four hours with lots of trivia facts about the place so it's quite a good one for for adults really because you know it gives you slightly more facts and figures you could discover the magic which is all about solving things and kitty and vip which is more more adult then you've got the the what i think was probably one of the original tours which is the welcome to disneyland tour now this tour is about two and a half hours it costs about 25 us dollars per person and what this is really designed to do is is it 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 um it takes you through the parks, both both the parks, um, and you can get. So you need to have a ticket for both the parks. Again, it gives you facts and gives you tips. So this is more about you know tips and and how you can enjoy the various perks. It gives you a couple of priority seating at some of the shows. Um, they give you a few facts and figures, and they talk a little bit about how you can use the fast pass and get bonus fast passes. But this is a particularly good tour if you're going to be going and staying a little bit longer and you want to get a good overfeel and how do you work your 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 day you know your trip for two or three day trip to to the best advantage because they really get into detail it's about two and a half hours long and that's a pretty good one if you're going to be there for longer and you really want to kind of work out what's what's going on now if you're a bit of a disney buff and you you really want to get into the the the, you know under the skin of of disney they have a tour which is called a the walk in waltz footsteps and what they do is they they talk much more about how the park was created and they talk a lot about Walt Disney so this is the facts and trivia and you go on the Disney Railroad they talk about the very first attraction and what it was all about and and you see a little few little bits of um, behind the scenes stuffs um, that that you wouldn't normally see anyway and that's relatively expensive it's three and a half hours long roughly and it's about 59 dollars no matter how old you are it's kind of more of an adulty thing really because it's more about walt disney and and his vision and what he was trying to do so you have two tours which are kind of you know one tour which is very kiddie orientated discover the magic tour that and maybe the welcome to disneyland tour because that's tips and then you have two more adulty kind of tours and i think the tours are a great idea if you really want to kind of get out of the skin and, and and get a good feel for that um, I've already spoken earlier about eating. Um, you know, one of the things that you need to think about is you can't bring food into the parks. You need to think about food and what kind of food that you want to eat and maybe what you want to do so you don't end up 
in a place where you don't want to be if you don't want your kids to have pizza or you don't want pizza or whatever. They list all of the restaurants, of which there are many, many restaurants, and you can kind of have a look about where you kind of want to be when you when you really want want to eat. Now, I've spoken about the, the kind of rides and things like that. It's very hard to recommend rides and which are the which are the best rides. But you know, um, in Main Street USA, ultimately it's it's the the, the processions, the the big thing there. In Frontierland, um, you know, the Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is a very popular ride, very exciting ride. And it's not that scary. I'm not a big roller coaster fan, and I've been on that, and I thought it was fine. It was about as scary as I'd want to get, because I'm a bit of a wimp like that. Um, but the riverboat's fun. You, know, you get on the boat, and it tootles around the sort of lake, and it's all very thematic, and it's, that's quite good fun. In Critter Country, you know, Splash Mountain is the big popular ride, and, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's a water ride with a very big drop at the end. And... Even just watching people on that is really great. So you can just watch because they have the actual bit where they come plummeting down the, the, the slope. That That's probably the best ride, um, the best ride there. In Adventureland, you've got the Jungle Cruise, if you want something a little bit more sedate, where you go through, as I mentioned earlier, and you kind of weave through and you, as if you were kind of uh, in this jungle and all sort of animals and things. And, of course, if you are um, much braver, there's the Indiana Jones Adventure, which is probably a little bit past my uh my wimpiness level in fantasy land there's just so much stuff there and it's much more traditional stuff and that's really good fun to be there with kids and you can go on, on you know on the uh, merry-go-round and and whatnot in tomorrowland you know the the star tours although it's very dated now i still is one of my favorite rides and it, they they position it as a scary ride it's not really that scary at all but it's quite good fun a little bit dated now honey i shrink the audience is is you know it's a bit dated and the buzz light year stuff now the haunted house i didn't mention the haunted house actually the haunted house is something that i quite like and it's not that scary and that's that's kind of that was also, you know, worth popping into and 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 you know having a look in, um, and that's, you know, just by New Orleans Square. In most of the other places in Frontierland, so it's between Frontierland. So, we've had a look at Disneyland after fifty years and asked the question at the beginning: Does it still have the magic? I think it does. I mean, I think it's a little bit jaded, and 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 because of the space, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it hasn't expanded like some of the others where they have the MGM Disney Studios and that kind of stuff. But it's well worth visiting. And it's, it really was a lot of fun. And uh, so I'd recommend it. You've been listening to Tips for Travellers, the global travel destination podcast with Gary Bembridge. To find out more, visit the Tips for Travellers website at tipsfortravellers.com. That's all one word and spelt the UK way with two L's. That's tipsfortravellers.com or mytravelreviews.com. There you'll find contact details, links and much, much more. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, search on iTunes or Yahoo Podcasts for tips for travellers.